This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. We're set to celebrate 66 years of Merdeka tomorrow as the nation commemorates. We too want to remember the historic occasion by paying tribute to our Bapa Merdeka, Tunku Abdul Rahman Putra Al-Hajj, one of the prime architects of our federal constitution and our prime minister from 1957 right up till September 1970. He was instrumental in gaining Malaya's freedom and sovereignty without any war or bloodshed. And so today on the show, I'm joined by two trustees from Yayasan Tunku Abdul Rahman, Datin Sri Sharifah Manyalara Hussein, who is also the CEO and founder of MNC Sachi Malaysia, and Emeritus Professor Datuk Dr. Haji Shad Salim Faruqi, who is the holder of the Tunku Abdul Rahman Chair at the University of Malaya, and of course no stranger to our shows here on BFM. So while we reminisce about the past and our country's journey to independence, you know, led by Tunku Abdul Rahman, we also want to look forward to the future and wonder what it holds for our nation. So we're going to discuss that and more today. Welcome both of you. How are you today? Thank you very much, Juliet, for having um, Datin, Lara, and me with us. Uh, we wish all Malaysians a happy, peaceful, and prosperous Merdeka Day. Yes. Hi, Juliet. Thank you again for having us. Always a pleasure to uh, talk to you. Yes, it's lovely to have you both back on the show. Uh, we caught up, you know, I think it was earlier uh, in 2022, you know, we were celebrating uh, uh, Tunku's 190, the 119th anniversary of his birth. So that was uh, uh, early last year. So now, but now, you know, with Merdeka, it's Merdeka Day tomorrow. Uh, and so we want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, his legacy, of course, but also, as I mentioned, we want to look to the future and, you know, kind of imagine maybe what Tunku had uh, imagined for our nation, right? But uh, let's start off by talking about um, his political acumen. Maybe Datin Lara, I can start with you. Um, besides that, of course, besides Tunku's political acumen, would you say, what, what are some of the other aspects of his personality that you feel deserve recognition that, you know, perhaps we're not, we're not quite aware of or is not getting enough attention? Um, okay, so I think that's an interesting question, you know, because I actually, I, I picked up on your word uh, recognition because I feel that um, when we look at across our society and you look at the different sectors of our society, of course, you know, you talk about people who are baby boomers, so they're over 60. They would obviously know who he is, who he was, what he stood for and what his principles were. But when you go down, like when you talk even millennials right down to Gen Z, you'd be very surprised that actually people of that segment don't really know him at all. Yeah. And mm. um, I think... I just wanted to pick up on that because we actually did a bit of research and we went out onto the streets and actually interviewed people, especially the Gen Z, and showed a picture of him, you know, his famous sort of iconic Merdeka um, photo. And uh, you'd be surprised, actually, that people didn't really know who he was. And really? you asked, yeah, if you showed if you showed them a picture of Blackpink... <laughs> they would know Blackpink better than Tunku Abdul Rahman. So, oh, you know, no. so, yeah. So I think there's a real gap here, a real disparity between the young and how relevant is Tunku to them versus, say, someone in their 60s or even, you know, older who, who you know, grew up with him, you know. So I think there's a big disparity. And I think before I even answer that question, I, I think we need to, to sort of be kind of like aware about it and I think it's something that we could talk about maybe later in the show about you know the kind of things that I think as a as a nation that we need to do better and you know sort of to to make him you know relevant to to these young people because they're the youth right they're yeah. the future 
But anyway, so to go to to your actual question is, I mean, you know, Tunku, I mean, I grew up with Tunku so uh, most of my life. And, you know, there's so much uh, about him that people, again, don't know, especially his personal side, right? His compassionate and very, um, very humble, uh, honest uh, side to him. And I think the thing that uh, is very that comes to my mind always is his compassion for people, you know, to to the poor, to his people that worked with him, to his staff. I mean, he was always so loved by by so many people, and I think people didn't don't actually realize how much he did for the Muslim community regionally, globally, right? Like how when he retired, he became, you know, sort of a secretariat. Secretary General of the OIC, where he actually, you know, helped to sort of build, um, you know, sort of sort of expand sort of the knowledge and awareness of Islam throughout the world. And, you know, and he was the founder of Perkim, those kind of things. And of course, you know, his passion for, for sports. I don't think people realize that in his time, we were very, very famous for our football. And he was at, at that time president of the Football Association. And uh, and I think there was a football event or football cup that was actually named after him. And and he was very, very um, sort of very passionate about it. And it, it, you know, and he did a lot for it. He did a lot for sports at that time. And so, yeah, so that 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 kind of um, sort of, uh, you know, his, you know, values, you know, mm-hmm. like it just goes beyond politics, you know, his relationship with international people and and things like that i mean he's known i I would say he's known globally even more i would say you know in some parts of rural india people actually recognize him uh you know so yeah i'll stop there but and that gives you a gist of i think yes some of the the things that you know i think people i think he deserves to be recognized let me let me add something there, but not about his personal life, as I didn't have the privilege of uh, knowing him personally. But let me say this, that in any society, some conflicts are unavoidable. The challenge is to find ways to resolve these conflicts with least friction. Uh, may I say that peace is not just the absence of war or racial and religious conflict. It is the creation of those conditions which make war or conflict unnecessary. And I think this is the point I want to make about Tunku's uh, primary legacy. Uh, He laid the foundation of a nation in which everyone could have a place under the Malaysian sun. And I think that was his enduring contribution. This was a nation everyone could belong to in peace, harmony and prosperity. He transcended race and religion, and he regarded himself as the leader of all the people and not just only of the Muslims. And, you know, Prof, we've done this this topic quite a bit, but, you know, I think it always warrants, uh, you know, a repeat. Um, we always talk about Tunku's role in laying the foundation of our political system, right, back in 1957. Yes. Could you help lay that out again for us? Well, um, he was, of course, our nation's founding father and the driving force behind the peaceful transition of power from British colonialism to Malayan independence without the shedding of the blood of any martyrs. 
Malaya gained independence peacefully, primarily due to Tunku's leadership of the independence struggle. Then he was instrumental in adopting our system of constitutional democracy. If I may quote his words, he said, our country was founded upon the principles of liberty and justice and ever seeking the welfare and uh, happiness of his people. Um, in advising the Reed Commission, he and the alliance of which he was ahead gave to the Reed Commission a 20-page guideline as to what the constitution should contain. The constitution had a blend of the old and the new, the indigenous and the imported. It had many features that preserved the special position of the Malays. And at the same time, Tunku was very insistent that the constitution must have features which would recognize the legitimate interests of other communities. So I think this was his uh, great contribution of providing us with a, um, uh, with a framework of a constitution, a political system, uh, which catered to everyone in the nation. And Prof, you know, this is something else that we also uh, that we also talk about, right? I mean, it wasn't an easy road. There were challenges, of course, right? When uh, when Tunku was trying to negotiate our independence from the British, what would you say was his greatest challenge? Well, I think his greatest challenge in the context of the age at that time was to secure inter-ethnic cooperation. I think that was his dream. That was his mission, his greatest challenge, and in my view, his greatest contribution. Um, he wanted unity in diversity, not a unity in uniformity. Now, his vision was far ahead of his time. Um, but now I think it is recognized around the world that in any nation with diversity, the litmus test of success and stability is the ability to live together in peace, harmony, and mutual respect. And I think in this respect, Tunku was a mediator, a reconciler par excellence, bringing diverse people together in 1955 um, when uh, the talk of Mardeka uh, had taken hold in 1957 when we met our trist with destiny. And then again in 1963 when Malaya transformed into Malaysia. Thanks so much, Prof. Um, let's just go for a quick break. But when we come back, you know, let's have uh, more discussions. Let's talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the other sort of criticisms, I suppose, that were levelled at Tunku during his time. Uh -huh. And uh, let's refute some of those. I'm speaking today to Datin Sri Sharifa Manyalara Hussein. She's the CEO and founder of MNC Sachi Malaysia. She's the granddaughter of Tunku Abdurrahman. She's also a trustee at Yayasan Tunku Abdurrahman. Also with us today, Emeritus Professor Dato Dr. Haji Shad Salim Faruqi, holder of the Tunku Abdurrahman Chair at the University of Malaysia and also a trustee at Yayasan Tunku Abdurrahman. We're talking about, well, we're talking about Tunku today, but we are looking at lessons of the past. We're going to hope, uh, see how that is also learnings for the future based on Tunku's life. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. It's the eve of Merdeka today. We are celebrating 66 years of Merdeka on Thursday, tomorrow. Uh, and as you know, the whole nation commemorates, we are wanting to also remember this historic occasion by paying tribute to Tunku Abdul Rahman Putra Al-Hajj, uh, our Bapa Merdeka, of course, you know, prime architect of our federal constitution, our first prime minister. Uh, so we're talking today to Datin Sri Sharifa Manyalara Hussein. She's the CEO and founder of MNC Sachi Malaysia. She's also a trustee at Yayasan Tunku Abdul Rahman. She's also, of course, the granddaughter of Tunku Abdul Rahman. With us also, Emeritus Professor Dato Dr. Haji Shad Salim Faruqi, holder of the Tunku Abdul Rahman Chair at the University of Malaya, also a trustee with Yayasan Tunku Abdul Rahman. So we're talking about Tunku's life. Uh, we're also gonna we also want to look forward to the future, right? I mean, we always look to the past uh, for learnings for the future. So that's also something we want to do today. Um, but let's just go back again uh, to the past for a little bit more. Yeah. So for for the both of you, um, Tunku was often accused of not being a Malay nationalist, yeah? Uh, would you say that allegation has any truth? Um, Datin Lara, would you like to go first? Well, I mean, I, I, I'll just start by saying that if you asked him, you know, are you a Malay or a Malaysian? I think he would say, I'm a Malaysian first. Um, but having said that, you know, it he, he actually said, and I remember this quote, he said, I've wanted all my life to do something for the people of Malaya and in particular to better the lot of my own race, the Malays. So I think the fact that Tunku was a proponent of the, you know, unification, not the unification, but, you know, sort of bringing people together and, and really about being Malaysian first. I think that, that sort of, uh, sort of led to this mis understanding perhaps or misperception that he was uh not uh you know not you know that he was anti anti-malay not anti-malay but he wasn't a malay nationalist that he was pro other races mm -hmm. which is just not true and it's very sad that people felt that way about him because you know his whole purpose in life was to better the the, the Malays, you know, even during that time. And, you know, him being a prince uh, and, and of course, being a royalist, his his whole being was, you know, to protect the Malays and to, to safeguard the monarchy, which to him symbolized the values and the culture of the Malays. But he understood that the Malays needed you know, to be much more progressive and that they were lagging behind. So there were policies that were being put in place to help the Malays. But, you know, all these things that he did was, I feel, in my view, was totally misunderstood. Because yes, indeed. he was very much culturally uh, very rooted in his in his DNA to, to support and protect the Malays. And if you think about it, in the 60s, he was the one that set up, you know, uh, you know, like the whole, you know, Bang Bumi Putra was set up and many of the initiatives that were set up was done by him. You, you, you know, UTM Mara was set up for students, uh, for the Malays, you know, the Federal you know, Agricultural Marketing Authority, Pharma, for example, Mara, you know, all kinds, Bang Pratanyan. So all this is to help the Malays. So I don't know why people felt just because he went out very vocally to say that it's that we need to be Malaysian first, it was misconstrued by a yes. lot of people. Mm -hmm. Let me let me add some some constitutional facts here um, to support this view that actually Tunku was trying to balance his role as leader of an ethnic Malay party with his role as the leader of a dazzlingly 
dazzlingly diverse nation. Let, let me give a few examples. Um, the Reed Commission, Juliet, had imposed a 15-year time limit on Article 153. 153 is special position of the Malays. Tunku got that lifted and said there should be no time limit. Then uh, the Reed Commission favored double citizenship. Mm -hmm. Tunku opposed that. The Reed Commission wished to allow usage of multiple languages in the legislatures. Tunku was not agreeable to that. Only with the permission of the speaker can people use a language other than Malay in the legislatures. The Reed Commission did not include Article 3 on Islam as the religion of the Federation. Tunku insisted on Islam as the religion of the Federation, and he was supported by one of the members of the of the Reed Commission. And uh, uh, let me, uh, in agreeing with uh, that in Sri Lara, Lara, let me just point out, uh, let, let's look at the uh, constitution. Some of the indigenous features of the Malay archipelago that um, the constitution adopted were the unique system of multiple Malay monarchies united by a conference of rulers. It was Tunku who suggested that the nine rulers take turns to become the young Dipartonegong. It was his idea. Then the Malay reserve land. Islam is the religion of the Federation, as I said earlier. Affirmative action provisions to preserve the special position of the Malays. Malay customs, Vasa Malayu, as the national language and weightage for rural areas in drawing up of electoral boundaries. So clearly then he was deeply concerned about uplifting the Malay community, but at the same time, he wanted to uplift the entire nation. He was uh, walking between two shores and uh, I think he did a good job in having a constitution that was balanced with the special position of the Malays and the legitimate interests of other communities. Mm -hmm. uh, that my time doesn't permit, otherwise I could point out many of the other legitimate uh, interests of the other communities. For example, citizenship was given on a non-racial, non-religious basis to everyone. The chapter on fundamental rights was available to all. Membership of the judiciary, the cabinet, parliament, public services, Special commissions is open to all. Sharia law does not apply to non-Muslims. All religious communities are allowed to profess and practice their faiths in peace and harmony. Uh, though Bahasa Malayu is the national language for all official purposes, would you believe that the Constitution in Article 152 says that the federal and state governments may promote the languages of other communities. And that's why actually the National Language Act allows vernacular schools to exist. Uh, one could go on and on, but I think uh, Tunku was a great reconciler of conflicting interests. He excelled in uh, moderation and in inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. Something that Thank I you. 
I think we're lacking a little bit of today. Um, and I think it was easy, right, for folks to to tap on that that moderate uh, approach that he took, isn't it? And just and, and then, you know, sort of lay these baseless sort of accusations against him. So, um, yeah, it was just it was very unfortunate. But, you know, as you've laid it out, he was well, he loved everybody. Right. He was he took all Malaysians, uh, uh, you know, existence into consideration and he wanted the best for everybody. Um, let's just go back again now, Prof. Maybe I can uh, ask you, let's talk about the formation of Malaysia. Here, right, so that's also coming up. You know that anniversary is coming up soon. Uh-huh. What was Tunku's role uh, in the nineteen sixty three formation of our country? Well, Tunku negotiated the formation of Malaysia with special autonomy for Sabah, Sarawak, and Singapore. Now, this special autonomy means that Sabah, Sarawak, Singapore had more rights than the other 11 states, 9 plus 2, 11 states of the peninsula. But I just want to point out to you, this asymmetrical arrangement, as we call it, it's not symmetrical, asymmetrical arrangement. Um, uh, Though it is a departure from the principle of equality amongst all the constituent units, it's not uncommon in many other federal systems. For example, in, in, in Canada, Quebec, in India, Kashmir, for particular regions which are distinct and unique in many ways to have a special position. Lest we forget, the territories of the country expanded two and a half times along with vast human and material resources when Sabah, Sarawak, Singapore uh, agreed to federate uh, with Malaya. Even with Singapore having left uh, Malaysia. 60% of our territory is actually contributed by Sabah Sarawak, mm. even though Sabah Sarawak has only um, 20% of the population. So I think these regions were indeed justified in demanding and in obtaining a special position. However, I have to confess that things didn't work out well with the merger with Singapore. And I know there is a lot of unhappiness um, in Sabah Sarawak, but this is not because of the Perlembaga and this is not because the constitution is lacking. Uh, as a student of constitutional law, I can say to you, the constitution gave to the region of Sabah Sarawak lots of special position. It is the administration of the law that is lacking. And that's what I think we need to improve. So, you know, we've, we've spoken about the past um, and, you know, that's something we tend to do, right, during Merdeka and Malaysia Day. We look to the past, but how about the future? You know, what do you think needs to be done to sort of recapture Tunku's dreams for our country? Uh, Datin Lara, would you like to go first? Well, that's always the, 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 the one million dollar question, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what do we do about our future? Yeah. Um, well, okay. So I think Tunku's ultimate dream, as Professor articulated really well, was that he wanted to create a happy Malaysia, an inclusive Malaysia. And, uh, and that was his dream, right? And, uh, and he always said that he was the happiest prime minister if everybody can just come together and live together in peace and harmony. And even though, you know, we think, oh, it might sound a bit cliched, but I think he genuinely thought, you know, within himself that people... He, he always thought everybody was just, everybody's so nice and that everybody can just, <laughs> you know, live together. And, and you know, that, that was his, his principle or rather his purpose 
in in life and it was so his passion and until his dying day right um mm-hmm. uh he said you know in the 60s and, and i just i love this quote but please don't ask me where i i can't remember where i found sorry but i always remember it and he said i venture to prophesy that in not very many years from now we shall hear less about being malay or chinese or indian and far more about being malaysian and he said that in the 60s so imagine then he already said that he expects or rather forecasts that in years to come we will become less malay chinese indian but more malaysian but look at us now right we are still where we were then or maybe we were malaysian for some time and yeah. then gone back to becoming you know segregated so sadly i don't think we're achieving that dream and i think we've moved away from it because do we really all want to be Malaysians first? I think that's the big question that I will pose to people. Probably not. Um, For me, personally, honestly, I think what we need to do is everybody needs to come together to really um, build on from this principle and to continue his legacy. I think that it's important that we create a blueprint of his vision that you know everybody can live by and understand and to almost depend on all of us meaning the private sector the ngos institutions like yayasan you know foundations like yayasan tunku raman is doing a great job you know the students are sort of symbols of Tunku's principles, for example. And I sit on like the board of ideas, a think tank whose foundation is on Tunku's principles. So Project 57, another one. So we 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 almost have to rely on everyone else to really continue on the the principles and dream of Tunku. And honestly, like I feel that the only way, and I wanted to bring this up, is to make Tunku relevant to the young generation. And how are we going to do that is the only way to do that is to really do it, number one, on our by ourselves, like really bottom up. Number two, I think we need to create like almost like products or services or events or things like that, that kind of like, you know, speak about him, that symbolize him or what he stood for, you know, like a film or a, you know, you know, anything like a documentary or any particular product or it could be an app or a game or anything that really reaches out to the masses. Because, you know, at the end of the day, right, Julia, we could go on talking forever and nothing. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing that's done. That's what we are trying to do. Just using different associations to to make him relevant, you know. It's a, it's a bit like how Hamilton, yeah, was done as a musical, right? Hamilton, yes. So, you know, things like that or, for example, uh, you know, even in terms of sports and, uh, you know, even we try to do it in a way like locally, like people have approached me whether, uh, you know, we could create a film about him and things like that. But, you know, we haven't really sort of gone and done it with enough, you know, sort of zest and, you know, we need the funding and we need to do it in a kind of sort of really put in the commitment and effort, I think, to to make it possible. 
Yeah, because you want it done well as well, right? You don't want some sort of like, you know, half past five sort of like. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So that like the film, for example, I don't mm. want to do it and, you know, I don't know who they are and the the people behind it. So I want to, you know, make sure that it's done, you know, it has a certain standard, right? And and it's of world class so that it reaches out, you yeah. know, and it's remembered. But I think that's how I see the only way that people can kind of remember him and and understand what he stood for. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a simple thing, isn't it? And it's something that we all ultimately want. We just want to be happy. We want to live in peace and harmony. And you know that was the the crux of what he wanted for the country, yes, for you know, for Malaysians. Um, so yeah, it's. I, w- I remember reading an article. Uh, I think it was last year. You know, where we were the height of just before the elections. You know, and and people were writing now more than ever. We need Tunku. We need you know those principles that he stood for. You know, uh, equality. Uh, really? You know, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. There was a lot of people who were you know were bringing that. Up so wonderful yeah, yeah. um prof how about for you you know what yes would you do, what would you I, like to add I, I agree with that and Lara that uh, um, we all have a role to play um, I know the government can do a great deal but let's not talk about that that's a very big issue we all have a role to play uh, though we have no power uh, we have the ability to plant the seeds of understanding tolerance and mutual respect um, to build bridges and to dismantle walls. For the sake of our children and children's children, let us return to the challenging but rewarding path of moderation. I've said that before, to move forward, I think we need to go back to the spirit of Mardeka and Malaysia Day. I have a number of other very quick suggestions. Promote constitutional literacy, especially of our ethnic provisions. Number two, we should search for commonalities. Differences are unavoidable, but we search for commonalities. Number three, we should recognize our diversity as an asset and not as a liability. Number four, we should distinguish between racism, which is hatred for others and a desire to keep them down, and human rights activism in favor of a race, religion, or community. That Lara gave examples of the institutions Tunku set up to help sections of society. Now, that's not racism. That is actually something more positive to try to bring up a a, a community, um, whether it is Felda, whether it is uh, uh, um, University of Technology, Mara. Number um, six, I think parents can play a role. We should expose our kids to multiracial experiences and teach them respect. But to do that, we have to practice it ourselves. <laughs> I think parents uh, have to practice it themselves. Uh, number seven, uh, and here is something addressed to you, Juliet. The, the, the media can play a role. There's a great deal of heroism and transcendence everywhere within the community. There are good people, generous people, tolerant people everywhere, people who help others. I think the media tends to highlight the negative part. Many aspects of the media are like that. Instead, they should highlight acts of kindness. Then NGOs. I think the NGOs must mobilize the enlightened, the moderates into a moral force. So in this respect, we can actually assist the government or nudge the government into further action. Um, uh, But certainly... We all have a role to play. Thank you.
definitely. Well, you know, thank you so much, both of you, um, for, for joining me and for sharing. And uh, yeah, it's a, always a good reminder, isn't it, uh, of, you know, everything that Tunku did and, you know, all the things that he stood for. Before I let you go, though, would you have any 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 parting remarks, any concluding messages that you'd like to share ahead of Merdeka, ahead of Malaysia Day? Uh, Datin Lara, would you like to go first? Well, I'd just like to wish everybody a happy uh, Merdeka Day. Uh, Selamat Hari Kebangsaan. And I just hope that people don't always um, just think of Tunku during Madeka and that he's always remembered in our hearts, um, not just for for his um, visual icon that we see him <laughs> raising his fist in the air, but for everything that he stood for, um, his contribution to the country, his vision for a happy Malaysia. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Lara. Uh, Prof. Shad. Yeah, thank you, Juliet. I wish to uh, share this with fellow citizens that for many decades, Malaysia was regarded as an exemplar of a country in which despite its dazzling diversity, people could live together in peace and harmony. I've said this before, uh, an American embassy officer once asked me, how come in this country people don't kill each other? <laughs> I think it's because we have that spirit of moderation and tolerance. There is, I know, a certain amount of tension at the group level, but at the individual level, there's a lot of fellowship and friendship. Um, however, I cannot deny that we have regressed. We have become a society buffeted by the divisive problems of race, religion, and region, but there is no need to despair. Mistakes have the power to turn us into something better than we were before. Sometimes it is by losing our way that we learn where to go. Basically, what is needed is leadership. A leader who is prepared to act like the conductor of a philharmonic orchestra, who to play the music has to turn his back to the audience. So leaders of substance should not follow opinion polls. They must do what is right. So my prayer for Mardeka Day is that we go forward as a nation by going back to the spirit of moderation, compromise and conciliation that inspired us in 1957 and in 1963. May God be with us all. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. I was speaking to Datin Sri Sharifa Manyalara Hussein, CEO and founder of MNC Sachi Malaysia, uh, granddaughter of Tunku Abdul Rahman Putra Al Haj, and Emeritus Professor Datuk Dr. Haji Shah Salim Faruqi, holder of the Tunku Abdul Rahman Chair at the University of Malaya, also a trustee at Yayasan Tunku Abdul Rahman. Uh, if you'd like to find out more information about the foundation, of course, you can head to their website. That's yayasantar.org.my. You can find out all the good work that they're doing through there and how you can perhaps get involved as well and uh, uh, yeah and you know keep the memory of Tunku alive not just during Merdeka Day as Datin Lara said you know throughout the year let's find some creative ways to uh, to to bring up those those principles that he stood for uh, which all of us actually should stand for as well but if you miss any part of our conversation today you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash learn you can also find it on the BFM app this has been Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture BFM 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.